baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Folks, welcome to hour number two of the broadcast. We will get to more of the McCarthy stuff a little bit later on. But I want to uh, look ahead to the future. And I know this can be kind of wearying at times because it seems like campaigns are going on nonstop. It's just absolutely crazy, isn't it? But I, one of the things I like to do on this program, and again, I make clear, I'm not endorsing anybody. But I do like to introduce you to people I have come to love and respect. Years ago... We were represented here in the 9th District. In fact, it's the seat that Dan Bishop now has uh, by um, a woman I, I got to know who was uh, representing the 9th District, Sue Myrick. You may remember, former Charlotte mayor. She served in Congress for a while, and the person who uh, worked for her, um, I ended up meeting uh, this gentleman who we're about to talk to, and uh, he's worked for Sue Myrick. He worked for our uh, former lieutenant um, governor um, and is now deciding to take another very significant step. So I want to welcome back to this broadcast, maybe to this broadcast for the first time, Hal Weatherman, who is joining us. Good morning, Hal. Welcome. That's how are you, brother? Hey, doing very well, very well. Uh, you made a very significant announcement. What is it that you are uh, venturing into now? <laughs> well, time will tell on that front. But, no, I, I did uh, formally announce that uh, when Mark Robinson uh, leaves the lieutenant governor's job to, to seek the governorship, which seems to be inevitable, um, that I am going to pursue the office myself of lieutenant governor in 2024. And you're right. It, it feels like campaigns go on, you know, all the time. But, you know, for our standpoint, the midterms are over. It's a new year. It's a very large state. Um, and, you know, we're only 12, 12 and a half months away from the next primary. And so uh, and that uh, clearly we'll probably have a primary for the office. And so we're hitting the ground running. We just launched a 100-county tour uh, to launch. I did three counties last week. I think we're doing four counties this week, and we're going to attempt to cover all 100 counties in the first quarter of this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I served as lieutenant, the former Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, who is actually Sue Myrick's son. A lot of people don't know that connection. You know, I worked for the Myrick Forrest family for um, a, a good many years. I believed in them. Um, I consider Sue Myrick my, I call her my second mom, and I consider Dan the brother I never had. 
but I was Sue's chief of staff for a number of years, uh, and then also Dan Force's chief of staff as well. But I, I just think there comes a time where you kind of want to do it yourself, um, and uh, the the seat's going to come open. My wife and I, my family, uh, very prayerful about the decision, and um, and we want to get busy, getting busy serving the people of the state. And so uh, I want to earn people's support the old-fashioned way. I want to take the race to them. Uh, that's why we're launching the 100-county tour. I'll go ahead and say when, when we ran, I ran Dan Force's first race for lieutenant governor, which is a very improbable victory. Um, Dan was only the second Republican since 1896 who was elected to that position. So when we started off that race, it was you know uphill all the way. But we rolled up our sleeves, and it's going to be the same thing I do in this race. Went to all 100 counties. We did, did over 300,000 miles worth of travel uh, in that election went to all 100 counties multiple times. And uh, since then, I've probably logged another 200,000 miles um, around the state. I love the state. I love the state. I love the people of the state. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting out there and campaigning and meeting people and hear what they have to say and share my, what I call my vision for the state. Well, let's talk about that vision. Uh, we're talking with a man who would like to be lieutenant governor of the state of North Carolina, Hal Weatherman. I, what is your governing philosophy? What is it you would like to do? What is what is your um, your set of principles and ideas? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I'm a believer. Um, I don't wear my faith on my sleeve, but I don't, I don't shy away from it as well. Um, I'm a limited government, constitutional principle, conservative, fiscal and social. So there's going to be no surprises um, in terms of how I would represent if you understand those principles, you know, I believe um, I believe in old fashioned ideals, uh, things that built this country that have now been kind of marginalized, things like self-sufficiency, thrift, hard work, love thy neighbor, uh, home ownership, free enterprise, capitalism, you know, all of the above, all the things that our schools aren't teaching anymore. And uh, but I'll tell you the driving force behind why I'm seeking the office of lieutenant governor. A lot of people know lieutenant governor serves. Um, on the State Board of Education uh, for North Carolina, but also on the Board of Community Colleges, system-wide board uh, for North Carolina. And from those two positions, I think the lieutenant governor has a unique opportunity um, to drive people into the trades. And it's a passion of mine. Um, I want to fundamentally remove the stigma that our society has unfairly put on people who work with their hands, plumbers, welders, uh, HVAC workers. Um, I, I'm at the age now, I'm in my early 50s, I'm at the age now where I have young people come to me and say, Mr. Weatherman, you know, what, what should I do for a career? And I, I ask them the same thing every time. Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Nine times out of ten, they say yes. I mean, do you want to have people that work for you? And they're like, yes. I'm like, do you, uh, do you want to make six figures a year? Yes. Do you want to build something that maybe 10, 15 years down the road you can turn around and sell for seven figures? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, go be a plumber. And you know, we, we've got this stigma attached to it. Uh, then when it's time for, you know, parents, when their kids are getting ready to go to college, it's like, well, that's for somebody else, not for me. And I think it, I, I think it does a great disservice. I think there's obviously a huge worker shortage uh, around this country and interstate right now. And we need to be driving people into the trades because there's honor and dignity into it. And, you know, the driving force behind why I feel that is I do believe that man was put on this earth to work. That a man finds respect in work. He finds dignity in work. He passes along to the next generation, his kids, um, ideals and values by them watching him or her.
provide for their family. And so I want to drive self-sufficiency uh, in everything that I do. A lot of that comes from a biblical worldview, but I, I don't want people to be dependent on anyone or any one thing. I want them to go out and provide for themselves. And so I want to do that. I, part of that would be um, increasing uh, the apprenticeship, uh, enhancing the apprenticeship program. North Carolina has an apprenticeship program. To be honest, it's very clunky. It's, it's cumbersome. It's not user-friendly. It's not well advertised. And other states do it better. Georgia, Texas, South Carolina does an amazing job with apprenticeships. I want North Carolina to be number one in apprenticeships. Um, and I think that will help drive people in, into the trades and, and fields they otherwise you know, wouldn't know about. The other thing I want to do, and I won't ramble on about policies, I want to take that same vision of self-sufficiency of the individual, and I want to put it into our governing philosophy of the state itself. I want North Carolina to be self-sufficient. And I'll give you one idea of many. Um, but I'll give you one idea. Uh, Dan, $25 billion budget in this state. Are you able to hold the, do the break, Dan? Um, uh, this is really, I mean, how I'm so sorry. I'm losing my mind here. Uh, we are, we are right up against a hard break. Can you hold on through the break? How? Cause I'd love to hear, make sure we hear these ideas. These are so important folks because I mean, this is the beginning of a conversation looking ahead to 2024 and an opportunity for us to take the time figure these things out so you don't go running into the booth who the heck is this well you're going to know at least one person who is running for the office and we will continue that conversation with Hal Weatherman right here on the Vince Coakley radio program stay with us Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. We're back on the Vince Coakley radio program on this Monday. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we're having a conversation with Hal Weatherman, who would like to be the next lieutenant governor of North Carolina. It's kind of interesting as we're talking about trades. I am in my situation, uh, a situation right now at home. I came home the other night to find that a whole wall of outlets of mine not working. You know, did the usual thing, you know, uh, went to the breaker box, uh, nothing's working. So I'm going to have to call an electrician. I'm going to be very curious to find out what that bill is going to be. It's not going to be chump change. I'm just guessing. And Hal Weatherman is right with the idea he's communicating here about encouraging more people to get into trades, which is uh, very much not just respectable, but these jobs are jobs we desperately need in our society to keep things going. And he wants to also take the same approach that we're discussing about getting people in the trades and apply this to government. How Weatherman, um, I want to give you the time now to develop what you were wanting to communicate about the operation of state government. 
Yeah, it's just the same philosophy of self-sufficiency that I would like to, um, you know, empower people to have in the personal life. I would like for our state to be self-sufficient as well. And again, I have a lot of policy, you know, proposals on this, but I'll give you one um, in the interest of time. I would love to go, if I'm your lieutenant governor, I'm going to go through every line of the state budget. I'm going to go through every contract that the state of North Carolina let, regardless of what agency it comes out of. And I would like to steer those contracts and those uh, expenditures first, and you know, first and foremost, to North Carolina homegrown companies. You know, we talk all the time. You hear people talk about buy American, of course, right? I mean, we should buy from America, not from China. I'd like to take it one step further and say, let's buy North Carolina. We have a $25 billion budget. We have an $8 billion surplus. We have one of the largest GDPs in the world. We're the ninth, soon to be the eighth largest state in the union. If we just put our money where our mouth is and keep our homegrown money here at home, think of what that could do for our state, especially some of our rural. We have 75 counties that are rural. I'd love to create rural opportunity zones where we're basically steering these contracts to people here, mom and pop uh, companies here. Um, it just makes perfect sense to me. Uh, but again, it, it's to be self-sufficient as a state. And um, and so these are some of the philosophies. I, t- I tell you, too, if people want to know more of, about what I believe, kind of my vision for the state as I begin this quest for lieutenant governor, uh, then go to my website. It's HalWeatherman4NC.com, HalWeatherman, uh, F-O-R-N-C.com. And uh, I've succinctly written why I'm running, my vision for the state. And um and so I, you know, I encourage people to do that. But I think self-sufficiency is the key, right? And, you know, it's hard. Some of the things we were talking about earlier, it's hard, right, because our school systems aren't really teaching the ideals that built this country, more or less encouraging people to work with their hands, right? They're not doing that. They're, unfortunately, in many instances, teaching very radical ideologies and seem to be more concerned about, about teaching these um, what I would call woke philosophies rather than the basics and the basic building blocks of preparing our kids for the future, uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, science. I'd like to expand that to financial literacy. <laughs> That's a good one. Book, right? Absolutely. How Weatherman, a uh, lot of good ideas there and things that would certainly uh, benefit people's lives individually and, and um, absolutely state government if these kinds of things were ever implemented and promoted. Uh, very much appreciate you coming on the broadcast. I've appreciated your work over the years, and uh, we certainly wish you the best for uh, your campaign in the future. Thank you, Vince. Appreciate you. Hal Weatherman, and I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more from him, possibly coming to a town near you here in North Carolina. Love to get your thoughts and what he has communicated. Over on the text line, discussing what we've gone through thus far, Vince apologizing for calling the congressman terrorists is all well and good. But remember, you cannot unring a bell. The damage is done. In reference to Dan Crenshaw. Another person saying, I was not too impressed with that that apology. Then again, I'm not too impressed with him. I do not think it sounded too sincere. (laughs) It was wrong of him to say what he did. Maybe I missed that part, but I did not hear him say where he should have chosen his words more wisely. Jeff, I, I'm just giving him an E for effort because there are a lot of people who wouldn't have even bothered. So I, I think my instinct on this guy, I, you know, I should need to ask some of my friends who are in Washington, who are in Congress, what they think. But I tend to think this guy is a pretty good guy. Um, I hope so. 
I hope so. I quickly want to get to some other things. This time it's just zipping by so quickly. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's own reaction to this, you know, and I told you a lot of people uh, feel like he's going to be a weekend speaker. You're going to hear a lot of this. This will be repeated over and over and over. Um, here is what Kevin McCarthy had to say about how this thing has played out. Listen up. And I think by having the disruption now, really built the trust with one another and learned how to work together. Okay, that's his take. By the way, did you see that almost brawl on the House floor? This is after... (laughs) It looked like uh, Kevin McCarthy's bid to become Speaker was going down again. Here's what happened. Tim Burchett is now calling Representative Mike Rogers a redneck after he lunged at Matt Gates at the House floor. Burchett suggested Rogers had been drinking prior to the ball. The brawl didn't provide any evidence on this, but he said his colleague should not have crossed the line. He called Mike Rogers a redneck. That's pretty strong stuff. C-SPAN cameras captured Mike Rogers of Alabama lunging at Matt Gates and being restrained by Representative Richard Hudson right here in North Carolina. After Gates had what appeared to be a tense exchange with Kevin McCarthy. You can see this, the video of this, online. Burchett actually told CNN's Kate Sullivan about this incident. People shouldn't be drinking, especially when you're a redneck on the House floor. He did not provide evidence or elaborate on why he believed Rogers had been drinking prior to the incident. (laughs) Burchett said about Rogers, I would drop him like a bag of dirt. Nobody's going to put their hands on me. Nobody's going to threaten me. Burchard went on to say it was an unfortunate moment, and Rogers shouldn't have crossed the line. Rogers, by the way, not surprisingly, a McCarthy supporter, confronted Gates after his vote helped to sink McCarthy's 14th effort to be elected Speaker. He was eventually elected during the 15th round. There was a little bit of drama on the House floor. By the way, And we're going to get to this. Uh, The narrative you're going to hear, you're going to hear this narrative from the Democrats. It's the same stuff. It doesn't stop. And they want to keep tying this back to January 6th because they think this is a winner for them. Coming up, you're going to hear what one member of Congress has to say and what this whole speaker drama shows what it demonstrates about who these Republicans are. And see how they compare us with the facts that you now know about what's been accomplished. That much more as we continue. Stay with us. On the Vince Coakley radio program, oh my goodness, boy do I have a bombshell of a story to tell you about. Are you ready for this? Remember I told you about that confrontation on the House floor? I'm looking at this picture now. 
of Richard Hudson from right here in North Carolina. I think he represents the 8th District of North Carolina. There's a picture of him restraining Mike Rogers. He's basically behind him and has his hand, uh, kind of his finger over his mouth, holding him back from going after Matt Gates. This happened on the House floor Friday night. Are you ready for this story? I'm also going to tell you Mike Rogers' Liberty score. Get a load of this. Mike Rogers is preparing to step down from a powerful House Republican panel that decides committee assignments for conference members after not this, this is important, but a series of confrontations with conservatives who prolonged Kevin McCarthy's speakership fight. This has been going on for a while. This makes a lot more sense. This has been bubbling over. Rogers confirmed the plan this morning, say what likely happened later this week, while underscoring his departure from the GOP steering committee, is not finalized, and he's not being encouraged by his colleagues to exit. <laughs> yeah, right. Should Rogers do as planned... His region's members would meet to elect a new representative, a longtime critic of certain conservative members, particularly the House Freedom Caucus, which tells me a lot. Rogers made his frustration plain on national TV late Friday night as McCarthy's push for the top gavel faltered in the final moments of a dramatic 14th ballot. As the GOP leader fell one vote short of the speakership, Rogers approached Representatives Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert on the House floor in what some viewed as a menacing manner, pointing in the conservative duo's direction. While Rogers advanced on Gates and Boebert, Representative Richard Hudson grabbed the Alabamian from behind to pull him back, sparking worries of physical fight might have erupted on the floor if not for Hudson's intervention. Nevertheless, Gates and Rogers appeared to have patched things up by Sunday. Now, he said, Gates and I have a long and productive working relationship, and I'm sure we'll continue. I regret I briefly lost my temper on the House floor Friday evening and appreciate Matt's kind understanding. That's what he tweeted out after Gates also publicly shared he forgives Rogers and doesn't think he should face any reprisal for that moment. So. Thought you should know this, and I think this is awesome. I say good riddance. This is not personal. You need to understand this is not personal. By the way, you want to know Mike Rogers' Liberty score? It's a freaking 61. A 61. This is how the breakdown of conservative review. <laughs> this is crazy. Conservative votes 28, liberal votes 18, missed votes 4. Liberty score of 61. We can do without this. We can do better. And again, I ask you, if, if there was such a thing like this, if there was such a thing like this, like the Liberty score for Democrats, do you think they would have people with F's and D's in the leadership? Not a chance. Not a chance, folks. I'm just saying. This is a very good development for sure Damar Hamlin by now you know he tweeted out putting love into the world comes back three times as much thankful for everyone who has reached out and prayed this will make me stronger on the road to recovery keep praying for me 
and that we will do we celebrate every every victory as this man recovers and hopefully gets back to the game that he loves also as you know we have president joe biden who is very eager to position himself well for 2024 paying a visit to the border breitbart reporting on this about him tweeting an image of his first ever border visit on sunday that featured part of the wall or border fence in El Paso, Texas, after he and his party shut down President Donald Trump's border wall. He ran in 2020 on a promise to build not another foot of Trump's border project. After Democrats refused to fund it in 2019, claimed it was motivated by racism, the desire to keep brown or black people out. So Biden halted construction of the high bollard fencing Trump had been building along the wall. Though the Biden administration later quietly filled in some gaps that have been left behind. Yet now we've got thousands of migrants pouring across the border daily, millions entering the U.S., often illegally, since he took office. So Biden came under pressure to visit the border for the first time in half century of politics. That's a long time. He chose to tweet an image of himself doing so from the official presidential account flanked by Border Patrol officers and walking along the fence that exists in El Paso, one of the most secure points on the border, of course. There was also an irony in Biden using Border Patrol agents as props in a photo. He has still refused to apologize for claiming falsely in 2021 agents were using whips to beat Haitian migrants. Remember that narrative? As you know, they were later exonerated. Biden had never previously visited the border, despite false White House claims to the contrary. He was once in a motorcade that drove near the border, also in El Paso during the 2008 presidential campaign for a few miles. Good reporting there by Joel Pollack about the truth. And I'm just going to tell you, the Democrats... And Joe Biden are going to do everything they can to try to position Joe Biden as a centrist. He is not a centrist. He's a leftist. And you need to understand, too, as we've talked about before, this whole left-right thing, which is a joke, this scale, everybody, well, just about everybody, has been moving left in recent years. That's what you need to understand. The Republican Party has been moving left for quite some time. This is why you're driven mad, because the cancer of progressivism has not only infected the Democrat Party, it's also infected the Republican Party, which is why it's very important that you do your due diligence on all these candidates who are running, especially in these local races, because a lot of times they're running in these local races. First off, the work that's done locally.
back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Boy, this text line. Oh, my goodness. This texture says Mark Robinson for governor, Howell Weatherman for lieutenant governor. Yes, that would be a very interesting combination. Would it not? Let us see what else we have here. Um, I'm trying to be safe here. Make sure I don't <laughs> allow anything really crazy to get on the air. Speaking of liberty scores, unless you're for getting rid of the Fed, the income tax, IRS, and all laws limiting our Second Amendment rights, your liberty score should be zero. Ooh. See, one of the problems is we don't get votes on these things, do we? Like the Fed. That's a big one. I, I'll tell you one person who would love to take... I, I know two people I know for sure would take votes on the Fed issue. Thomas Massey and Rand Paul. They would be right with you. There's no question about that. Just putting that out there. Saying that fits concerning McCarthy, especially Democrats, give them an inch. They will take a mile in regard to all things government and our constitutional rights. They want control and their actions prove it. Yes, that's what this is all about. Vince, so Mr. Magoo positioning himself for running in 2024. What's he got to run on besides being an old and mindless person who's a puppet to the anti-American globalists? That is from Jeff. Go figure. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. And we have producer Chris with us. How are you doing today, man? Hey, how are you, Vince? Hey, doing pretty good. What, what did he really say in that email? He didn't say person. What did he really say? Um, you can email it to me. I, I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, I, I saw the reference and I wasn't sure what it meant. So <laughs> I did not use it. So maybe you can shed some light on it. I'm this sure it me. wasn't derogatory. It wasn't terribly derogatory, but... Uh, just want to make sure you can never be too sure in this business. Total of eight questions today, beginning in 1493 with this explorer who mistaked manatees for mermaids. Just think of the year that it was. and He also was. mistook uh, natives for Indians. Who was this Columbus. Guy? Columbus is absolutely correct. 1788, this became the fifth state. I was trying to think of something that distinguished this place. If you're from this state, I apologize in advance because I just don't see much that's that exciting. It's known as the Constitution State, the Nutmeg State, the Provision State, and the Land of Steady Habits. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Here, even now, its cliches are kind of boring. Kind um, of kind of boring. Let me give you another hint. I'll tell you the capital. Okay. Is that too much? No, well, it's, I'm going to know if you tell me the capital, but I, but I want to know it, so tell me. Hartford. Connecticut. Yeah, it's Connecticut, so I'm just trying to be helpful here. 1908, this count announced he was going to build an airship to carry 100 passengers. Uh, another hint... The Count, his last name, is part of the name of a music group that does hard rock, I believe. Oh, I'm not. The only Count I know is Dracula, and that wasn't his thing. It's Zeppelin. Oh, okay. There was a Count Zeppelin? I didn't know that. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) I'll just move on from there. It's, It's kind of funny, isn't it? 1924... The big automaker of its time, its stock value, hit a billion dollars in 1924. Can you believe that? 
these folks were rolling in dough. Which motor company? Was it Ford again? It's Ford. You're absolutely right. I'm learning a lot about Ford. That's amazing. Stock value hitting a billion dollars in 1924. A lot of people went to this woman for advice when she was around. The first column with that was addressed this way was printed in 1956. And uh, there was a song even written about her. What were the things, how did the people who wrote to her address her? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. And are you talking about the John Prine song? Yeah, 15 years later. <laughs> That's so awesome, such an awesome reference. 15 years later. Pretty amazing. 1956 is when that started. The Lakers, they had a 33-game win streak, but one famous basketball star ended it. He worked, he played for the Milwaukee Bucks. Who was that guy who brought this win streak to an end? Let's see. I'm going to let you tell me because I, that way I can find out. He has three audience. names. World be free. Nah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, oh, okay. I guess they he said the guy that the uh, broke the streak, let's go get him, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2001, big year, and... This is the year that Apple launched this product. It really changed music forever. I mean, I mean, when I started off, I was buying records. Uh, now we're buying things online. And uh, this particular company, Apple, they've got to have their own service. 2001 is when they did it. The iPod. Uh, well, what is their their music service oh itunes itunes you're correct it, it really revolutionized the way we consume music and speaking of <laughs> these products steve jobs he unveiled the very first product of its type uh you may have one so many people have them spend a fortune on them to uh mostly text what was unveiled in 2000 Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 